Welcome back to We The Union. This is episode eight, and I am your host, Daisha Benjamin. Thank you for joining me today. We'll start off with some good news. Um, I don't know if this is new news for some of you, but a few months ago, AFSCME uh, has made their bachelor's degree program permanent. So if you are looking to go to school and pursue higher education, AFSCME offers free college, and now it is a permanent benefit. So if you're interested in that, please look into it, and it, it is an amazing opportunity. We also offer a lot of different member benefits. So if you haven't heard about those or if you need to learn more information about that, please visit our website. That's AFSCME36.org. That's A-F-S-C-M-E-36.org. Click on the resources tab and then click on the member benefits button and you'll have a lot of information there about all of the discounts that you get as a union member and opportunities that you get as a union member. So please look into that. I also want to say happy AAPI Heritage Month. That's Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders Heritage Month. Um, We should have an episode coming out about that next time, so stay tuned for that. It is also Mental Health Awareness Month, and that is what this episode is about. So make sure you stay tuned for the interview. Let's go. So it is um, Mental Health Awareness Month, and so I'm joined today by someone who I think can speak very well on mental health and mental health awareness. So let's start. Can you go ahead and just introduce yourself? My name is Jordan Fix, uh, and I'm a licensed clinical social worker, um, uh, PSW2, and I work at the Wellness Center in the Antelope Valley for the Department of Mental Health. I have been there for almost 10 years, um, and I've been a social worker for uh, 20 years um, and a licensed um, clinician for uh, more than 10 years, uh, working in mental health since I was 25. So, um, and policy and advocacy for even longer. So for quite a long time. So we can say that you are somewhat of an, of an expert, right? Like you, you know what you're talking about when you talk about mental health, right? Uh, yeah, as much as anyone can. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm very familiar with mental health, and I've I've actually done a lot of different things in mental health, you know, um, psychotherapy groups, as well as social work, and also medical social work, emergency social work. Um, I've worked in IMDs, I've been in uh, boarding cares, uh, um, I've been in non, you know, small nonprofits, um, I've, I've done the advocacy and policy work, you know, I've worked with homeless, I've done drop-in centers, group homes, I've worked with adolescents, kids, older adults, wow. uh, uh, so you, so I've, I've had, the, and I've worked in jails as well, uh, so I've had the luxury of, uh, uh, as some social workers have, of really being able to be in a variety of different environments. Um, uh, and mo and, and really, really all of them have been mental health oriented, um, 
perhaps except, um, but it still is mental health, but the policy and advocacy work, a lot of that uh, was homelessness, but that there's, a, there's so much overlapping um, issues between, as you know, like with deinstitutionalization in the, in the 80s um, uh, and the increased homeless population, you know, in the Reagan years. So um, uh, there's just too much overlap to say it's not a homeless issue. Right. It's not a mental health issue rather. Right. So why is Mental Health Awareness Month important and what does it mean to you? Well, uh, first of all, I think every day is Mental Health Awareness Day. And, and that's that's kind of a no brainer. And, and you may have even expected me just to say that right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, but but one of the things that is important in terms of having a, a specific month is that it's a time for uh, for reflection as well as a spot a spotlight, like a highlight um, for for the public to begin to look at mental health um, in a way and education um, because the public has such a, a strong influence on mental health. You know, whether it be economically, whether it be stigmatically, um, and uh, when the public has that type of impact, you know, we have the opportunity to change some of the the very negative um, uh, uh, thoughts, you know, that the public may have, or the just the erroneous information that's out there, you know, um, in in Hollywood or, you know, just what people think, like, you, you know, the things that you hear, you know, that people that have men mental illness are all violent or I'm having a bipolar moment, you know, right. um, and as well as, you know, no one ever gets better. Um, and, and, and what does better mean? Um, or, you know, if you didn't, you know, become mentally ill in your twenties, you're, you're, oh wait, you're lucky. You're never gonna become mentally ill. Um, so we have that opportunity during May to to really make a positive impact um, um, in you know America and world worldwide as well to to help bring the spotlight on mental health um, and and do a lot of activism around that so that so so that the public can begin to see mental health in a realistic light um, and hopefully also begin to put more funding into mental health because the cost alone of mental health and if you can imagine all of the untreated mental health because of stigma um, is enormous um, and then when you look at developing countries versus you know other other countries that are underdeveloped um, it's even uh, harder to imagine, you know, I'm, um, I was in the Peace Corps in my early 20s in Africa and, you, you know, mental health, um, I, I don't want to say it doesn't exist, but mental health treatment, you know, is, is, is a luxury, you know, it's something that, you know, only people in a certain echelon would receive. Um, and I was in the boonies and the sticks, you know, in a village up country and you know, if you had a mental health issue, you were, you know, an untouchable, you know, um, and you were on the streets and you were going to die on the streets, period, end of the story. Right. And I think one thing that 
hopefully mental health awareness month can bring awareness to is that you know there aren't just three mental health issues right people always think oh bipolar schizophrenic and then that's it right everything else yeah. is just you just need to I don't know think about it or you just need to talk to your friends about it or whatever and that's just the end of it and so hopefully yeah. we can sort of you know bring awareness to the fact that there are mental illnesses of a variety of them that affect people in different ways and it can be absolutely anything right it can be anything just from anxiety to schizophrenia it's you know it's not just you know on the extreme end yes and also you know working in the antelope valley especially we see a lot of post-traumatic stress disorder um and I don't know exactly why, and it'd be very interesting to do a study on that, but um, it, we see a great deal of substance abuse and poverty as well. Um, and uh, I, I also, have, I'm, I'm of the mind uh, that substance abuse as well is a mental health issue. Um, and I know that luckily we've made a lot of changes to that um, and it used to be you know you can't treat somebody until they're clean and sober for such and such time um, but you know how many people with mental health issues have also co-occurring disorders with substance abuse um, it's it, you know they say 50 60 percent who knows what the exact statistic is but it's alarmingly high um, and and so if we do that you know, we do a huge disservice to people that are, are really suffering. Um, and uh, especially with, you know, PTSD and all of the misconceptions, again, you know, out there in that public with only vets, you know. Right. Um, and of course, vets, yeah. I'm not saying no, but, you know, you know, survivors of, of rape, survivors of suicide, survivors of, you know, a car accident. And it may be also um, an acute um, episode, but it also may turn into a longer-term PTSD issue without treatment. Um, and, and that affects the workplace. Um, and there's not a lot of talk about how people with untreated mental health issues um, are affected in the workplace and how that affects the economy. Mm -hmm. um, and and um, there, there needs to be more talk of that. And, and I think Mental Health Month is an opportunity to talk about stigma and how stigma um, and, and stigma is, is really, you know, from the Greek word or the, even the Christian word, you know, of the crucifixion and the Greek word of being marked, being branded, you know, um, um, being one of the undesirables, you know, um, and and it's it's a it's a huge thing for somebody to come out and say I have a mental illness, um, and and so somebody that's working, you know, they don't want to lose their job. They don't want to um, necessarily come out of the closet, so to mm -hmm. speak. Um, and and then they may lose their job because they actually have an episode on the job and people might think that they're just whoa what's going on here right you know and and so the the economic um cost to that is alarming when someone doesn't get treatment to families and mental health like substance abuse is also a family yeah. disease if you ask me <laughs> 
So now that we're, I want to say the tail end of a pandemic, but eh, that, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> what can we expect um, to see as far as mental health goes? Like, did the pandemic bring more attention to mental health? Or are we going to see like a rise in mental health issues because of the pandemic? I, I think that the pandemic really exposed a lot of people to um, having mental health issues that didn't realize that it was even possible for them to have mental health issues. Um, and it also validated a lot of people with mental health issues you know, who were told, um, you know, for years and years and years, you know, you know, get over it, take vitamins, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and, and clients that, you know, I provide therapy to and, and have for years and years um, have come to me and said, you know, so my family member finally gets it. You know, they, they, they have, you, you know, a taste of what it's like to be isolated and, um, and experience some depression and anxiety. Um, and they're coming to me and saying, oh my goodness, you know, wow, I, I can't believe what you go through. Um, because now I feel you, like, you know, I'm stuck inside. I, I feel like a shut in. I, I feel down. I, you know, my normal routine is disrupted. I can't see my friends, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I'm feeling sad. I feel hopeless. I feel scared. Um, and with, with all of the telehealth, um, more and more people have gravitated toward talking to um, a therapist. Um, and, and I even did uh, some research and it's actually, it's like a booming industry, you know, and it's even hard to get into, uh, you know, to find one. I, I mean, there, there are so many people and I get so many calls to say, um, will you do this? Well, I have a full-time job, so I really can't. But, um, and and these, are, these are people that don't have necessarily a chronic, chronic mental illness, but they are struggling with adjustment disorders, you know, you know with um, a, a depressive uh, phase, you, you know, and it's mostly adjustment, but, or um, a brief, you know, anxiety disorder of some sort. Um, and so it's, it's really, it's put again, like I said before, the spotlight on mental health, the pandemic. Um, and it, it does make me wonder with like something like the Spanish flu, what was going on then with mental health? Right. Yeah. And they so, had yeah. less access back then. So. Yeah. Um, and it, re what it reminds me of actually is of, um, uh, the the industrial age when Durkheim, um, if if you remember from forever ago in <laughs> college, and he was studying suicide and and the suicide rates were just skyrocketing when the nuclear family uh, was begin beginning to break down from the extended family and people were isolated and suicide rates literally were skyrocketing. And, and he began to see that anime, you know, the feeling of aimlessness, the, the feeling of not being attached to a group um, had this huge effect on individuals and, and, and suicide rates were going up and up and up. Um, and I, I'm not saying all of these people had mental health issues, but I can tell you that suicide rates I believe have gone up 
you know, yeah. and, and I, I know in, you know, my arena, it's true. You know, I have seen this with, with suicide, yeah. you know? So in, in your opinion, in your expertise, um, how can we develop healthy mental health habits um, to help us cope, especially during a pandemic, to just kind of help us, you know, with our own mental health, even if it's just something that's minor, what are some things that we can do? Yeah, and, and that's a really good question. And, and I think that one of the most important things is having structure um, and, and keeping a structure. And that, that includes just a regular sleep, a regular sleep cycle, a regular eating cycle, um, uh, and having um, also something that you enjoy doing, you know, whether it's puzzles or art or, you know, reading the newspaper and limiting some of the social media and some of the news, you know, uh, because it's overwhelming. Um, and, and, and also reaching out to friends and family. Um, and that structure, I do think, helps with mental health. But having also awareness of what's what's going on and educating yourself um, and talking to your doctor, your physician, um, and more and more physicians now are, you know, using the PHQ-9 and they're, they are screening, but they're not necessarily following up. So I think that if, if mental health, you know, can begin to pair more with physicians, um, um, and do more outreach, you know, with people um, in the future, then we're going to be able to help more people do that. Um, the other thing that I find very helpful um, for me, I mean, one is art, obviously, but the other um, is animals. Um, and this is for the elderly too, uh, whether it's pet therapy, if they can't um, actually own a, own a pet, um, or it's equine therapy which is something that I really love. And I have horses myself and, um, and, and I've had clients that have gotten involved in equine therapy and I've seen incredible success, you know, in their ability to manage, you know, negative self-talk and even suicidal ideation. Um, so, so I do think animals are extremely helpful as well as just distraction, you know, um, while you have that schedule, you also have time for relaxation, time for fun. Because uh, a lot of people end up just staying in their pajamas and, um, you know, not bathing for a week. Um, and that's when, you know, I come in and say, uh-uh, you know, that's, that's just going to lead you down that path. You know, that's a recipe for depression. Right. You know, for me, for, you know, for you, it, you know, I mean, I don't mean you, but yeah. I, I mean, it, it just really is. It, it, it becomes um, just a cycle. So um, we have to keep up, you know, with, you know, whether it's gardening or whether it's cleaning the house, but or waking up and always doing your dishes, but that really helps. And, and that is, in my opinion, like the job for the person, you know, if they don't have a job or something like that. Like think of it as this is your job, you know. This is your mental health treatment, right? And so you you mentioned your artwork. Um, so can you talk a little bit about your artwork and how it's connected to your mental health or just mental health in general? Well, art. I mean, as you know, um, 
has been seen and even studied as kind of like um, uh, like the the creative outlet for people that have mental health issues. Um, you know, Van Gogh and um, uh, other artists. Um, um, but at the same time, I, I have been a creative artist type person, you know, since I was a child. Um, but I've, I have moved in a different direction artistically and I do more, um, I do have some art and background. This is my art studio. Um, and, but um, I lost my brother to suicide in 2016 um, and he did have bipolar disorder. Um, and I started doing art like in a frenzy, way more art than I'd ever done before. Um, and that was a coping method for me, really, to try to understand um, the loss, uh, immense loss, you know, my only sibling, you know, like Irish twins, just a year and a half apart, you know, and, um, and to, to do something that uh, would allow me the freedom to express my grief and express uh, myself in an, in an abstract way, but also in a way that helped me make sense of something that I was angry about, I was overwhelmed with, um, I couldn't understand, um, as well as, you know, over the years I have done art therapy uh, and I found it to be incredibly soothing um, as, as well as just a, a poignant way of um, sharing with the world uh, um, even mental health issues, you know, I mean, um, and in like my Instagram or um, in the any, any art galleries or shows that I've been in, you know, I, I do talk about mental health and social justice being my muse and, um, you know, and, and that's where I'm coming from. Um, that, that is something that's extremely important to me. Um, and since it's abstract, it may not come out that way, but for me, that's what it's about, is it's about mental health and mental illness specifically, you know, um, and a lot of it did come from my brother. Um, even though I was art, an artist before, I, I've never painted this much, you know, <laughs> you know, so. And I also was private about my art before. And after my brother died, I felt like, you know, art is not mine. You know, art is for everybody. Art is to be shared. Um, and that's when I, you know, began to, you know, have my art be in, you know, books or magazines or out there in Instagram and, um, and realized that one of the most important things for art is to also share, you know, with an audience, you, you know, some of the intimate, you know, feelings that you may have, they may see it differently, but also, you know, in a title or in like an Instagram discussion, talk about, you know, how this painting came about, you know, what I was struggling with. Um, and through that communication, you know, as an artist, I, I'm able to talk about um, personal issues, you know, loss, um, and, and really uh, try to connect with my, my audience. Um, and, 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 and that for me is helpful. And after a day of, you know, talking to people, because, you know, 
therapy is a very lonely mm-hmm. occupation. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily want it. I usually don't. I don't want to go out. I don't want to talk to people. I would rather go and, you know, play with my horse or, or paint. Um, and, and, and that for me is soothing. But I would also like to share it with other people. Uh, and artists tend to have, and not all artists, because not all artists are like me, but I, there are quite a few artists that also do struggle, are survivors of suicide, are, you know, are people that struggle with mental health issues. Um, and, you know, then there's that space that you can share with other people. Right. And, it, you know, I'm, I'm glad you found that outlet because not a lot of people do find an outlet and that's, you know, kind of how things kind of fester and um, people can tend to struggle a lot more. So I'm glad you found an outlet and hopefully other people um, can find that, right? Whether it is through pets or horses or art or dance or reading or writing, whatever it is, hopefully they can find that outlet to to let, you know, any anything that they're going through kind of out and hopefully it'll you know, it can help them out. So yeah, that's absolutely amazing story. Amazing story. And I love your artwork. It's beautiful. I know people can't oh. see it, but <laughs> I can see it. And it's, it's oh, well, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. So um, you mentioned earlier, you were talking about, you know, mental health and the workplace. And so I do know that you are interested in becoming a shop steward. Is it connected to that at all, or is it just connected to kind of like your activism that you do, you know, outside of work? Um, both. Uh, one for a long time, people in, in in the clinic and the wellness center actually just thought I was the steward, um, <laughs> and and I was just mistaken for 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 being the steward, um, and and I I realized because um, I. I was asked to like up, update the board, you know, like, um, and, and, and I know, you know, tell and, um, and, and I, and I'm, I, I'm an outspoken person as well, um, about rights, um, and employee rights. But what I, what I've noticed is that there is a, a huge lack of education and understanding of rights um, and a, a fear um, and, 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 and that is just such a striking um, thing in the workplace, you know, in the DMH where we're talking about, you, you know, um, just culture and um, that type of thing. And, um, and, I, and I just feel like this is, this is just not right. And, and I'm out in the Antelope Valley where it's like cowboys and Indians, you know, and, and there's no, for me, it feels like there's no oversight. Um, and they're just making policies up and, you know, doing whatever they want. And, um, and I've had to fight so many battles like on my own. Um, and then I think about, you know, when people call me up and they're in tears and they're saying, what do I do? Thinking I'm the steward, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> And you know, I refer them to the right people, but at the same time, it's like this: this is one a free rider syndrome, um, uh, where people aren't like paying dues. For example, 
Um, but then when something comes up, they want help right. um, because of the fear of management and, and wanting to kind of buddy up to that. Um, and then when something goes awry, you know, they're like, I need help. Um, so with education, as well as with, um, with trying to mobilize people, um, because I, I feel like our union is, has not had the strength that it could have. Um, and I, I feel like that's something that I have wanted to do for um, a long time, but I've had a, a lot of setbacks in my, uh, in my personal life. Um, and it's, it's just, it's just become more and more apparent that that if we're not able to mobilize and we just have a handful of people, you know, that are working their rear ends off, um, we're not going to be able to ever, you know, have a voice, you know, it's just going to be like, you know, like Teddy and, you know, you and some other people just like, you know, trying to do this, you know, with, with nobody behind them, except for when they have their one grievance, you know, and a union is not just about grievances, you know, um, and it seems like that's what people think. Um, and there's a lack there of education and, and, and the people I talk to, they've never even heard of wine garden rights and they, they don't, they don't even really understand their rights and they don't understand anything. Um, and management too, uh, really wants it that way they like it mm -hmm. that way you know yep. um and they they like to push that you know you know productivity this that and the other and um and that's just one of the like minor things you know but it's a it's like a fear-based toxicity that i've seen for for a long long time um and you know fill out this form and i'm gonna do this and um, and, and someone's just shaking in their, you know, boots, not realizing that they, they do have the right if they're being disciplined to request, you, you know, some representation. Um, and I, I can't tell you the amount of times I've been literally, I mean, I don't know if I should say this here, but, but I've been literally told like things that are, are not true, yep. you, you know, and and then I think, well, if they're telling me that um, and they know I'm a loud mouth, what the heck are they telling other people? Right. Yeah. So that's that's really the reason. Um, and nobody wants to come out to the Antelope Valley, but I work in the Antelope Valley. <laughs> so who who better to do that? I mean, it's a long drive, you know. Yeah. So um, I, I think that. Um, you know, if there is something unfair going on um, and, and if there are people that understand their rights more and more that we would have more opportunities to um, not have an adversarial relationship, but to have better relationships with better understandings of, you you know, the memorandum of understanding and, um, and, and to sit at the table and really talk about um, what it is we can do um, rather than the fear-based. Um, so that, that's really the reason why, and, and I've thought about it for years, but um, 
only recently did I say, you know, I think this is a time in my life that I, I would be able to do this. Yeah, well, good for you. Good for you. And hopefully um, other people will step up and want to get more involved because, you know, what makes the union strong is participation and member involvement, member engagement. So hopefully more people will, you know, join in and become involved. So that's awesome. Um, my last question to you is, um, how can we bring more awareness to mental health, right? This is Mental Health Awareness Month. How can we do it? How can we bring more awareness to it? Well, I, I, I mean, I, I address this in part, but the other piece I think is not by acting and operating in a silo. Uh, and I sometimes don't even realize that I'm doing that. Uh, and because mental health is such a huge part of my life. Um, and, and, and I don't even realize that I'm sitting with um, people at the dinner table or, you know, family. And, and it's like, that's all I have to talk about, you know? And, and they don't even know what I'm talking about, you know? Um, and, and, and then I realized that, you know, I need to take a step back and, um, and incorporate it into other areas so that it becomes more mainstream. Um, one thing that I think brings more awareness is realizing that, you know, the knee bone is connected to the leg bone is connected to, you know, and, and what I mean by that is something that clients have shared with me over the years, that things like, why didn't I learn this in grade school? You know, why didn't I learn to regulate, self-regulate? What, right. what, why didn't I get these, you, you know, self-soothing skills, you know, as a, as a teenager, you know, and, and so, it's striking that, you know, we're getting PE and, and art, and they're even talking sometimes about shutting that down, but why the heck aren't we having mental health in the classroom um, to more of a degree? Why aren't we having people like me, you, you know, going into the classrooms? Why, why doesn't DMH do more of that? Um, and, and if they are doing that, and I just don't know about it, um, I think that we should, we should be doing it regularly. We should, you know, we should be advocating for, you know, a position for that. Um, and we should be doing panels, you know, and I can't tell you how many times I've, I've asked, you know, especially at a wellness center, you know, which is being run like a clinic. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, for a client-centered approach, you know, because if when I was a teenager, if I had that that knowledge, that more of an understanding of mental health, self-soothing, just like my clients tell me, you know, boy, would my life probably be a lot different, you know, and and uh, that I think would be a, a major major piece of reducing stigma surrounding mental health is making it part of the curriculum in early education. Um, and that is talking about prevention, you know, um, early intervention, just the way, you know, when you go to the jails and, you know, you, you talk to an 11 year old, you have the opportunity 
to help them have a better life. But if you're talking to an 18 year old, you know, that's been in, you know, the gangs and he's got, you know, 18th street tattooed on his head, on his forehead, you know, um, it's a lot harder for them. You know, a retirement is not really, you know, it's very hard to retire from the gangs. Right. You know, so, so, so I, I, I think education is one of the, one of the really the beginning steps that's an obvious step that the clients actually have just been telling me for the last decade, you know, um, and if they're telling me that, then I, I know it's true. And I already, I thought that too. And then they're telling me that and they're angry about it. They feel like I lost something. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and also, you know, truthfully, you know, um, I was talking to a girlfriend um, and, uh, and, and she lived in France for 20 years. Um, they have, uh, they have a totally different healthcare system. Um, if you ask for mental health, it, it's not even something you ask for. You, you, you just have mental health. It's, it's part, it's enrolled in, you know, uh, you don't separate. And that's what I mean by the leg bone, leg bone attached. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, it's all connected, you know, spirituality, mental health, physical health, you know, these things you can't tear apart and, and see in vacuums. Um, and we have a bad habit of doing that, whether it comes to our bodies, you know, or whether it comes to, you know, medical health and mental health, you know, and, and we really need to address that. Because, you know, with mental health, if you're not, if you're not caring for your mental health, I can guarantee you it's going to be very difficult for you to take care of your medical health. Right. So address it early on, you know, with, with, with kids, um, educate parents, you know, it doesn't mean you're crazy. You know, if, if you're having, you know, thoughts that are different than others, or if you're exhibiting signs, I've hospitalized five-year-olds, you know, it's, it's hard. It's, it's very challenging, you know, uh, but um, that I don't think is the way to learn about mental health, you know? So, so, so I think that's, that's really part of it. I think there's a lot more to it, but that has to do with the public because the public opinion is powerful and it, has if if it is able to have a positive impact and increase awareness, um, allowing people to get help um, that currently aren't receiving it um, due to stigma, um, then you know we're going to be able to address a lot of these issues. Um, so as well as if health insurance, you know, isn't um, isn't demanding that you know, doctors get rich, you know, and that's another thing that Europe is, you know, doesn't do. Doctors make house calls. You know, being a doctor doesn't mean driving a Mercedes Benz. So. Yeah. So hopefully um, we can start to see those things happening. Cause I agree. I mean, bringing it up early and um, 
helping kids, give them those tools early on in life can definitely make a huge difference in their life. So hopefully we can start to see some movement there and um, hopefully it can happen through discussions like this or through panels or whatever, we can start to see those changes happen. So yeah, I think that's a great idea. But um, yeah, I just wanna say thank you for coming on and talking to me about this. It's a, a super important topic and hopefully we can bring awareness to it just through this episode alone. So thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Um, if you wanna um, say your Instagram handle so people can check out your artwork if you wanna, if you wanna put that out there really quickly. Um, it's um, Instagram and then it's just J, it, it's kind of hard because it's J Dunyasha 23. Oh. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know how easy that is. I'll put it, I'll put it in the description box and I'll put it on um, the post. When I put it on social media, I'll tag you so that people okay. um, can have it. That would yeah. be great. Yeah. Yeah. So, thank you. Yeah, I, I have a website it. too. So. Oh, okay. Okay. I'll okay. put that on there too. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today on We the Union episode eight. I want to say thank you once again to my guest, Jordan Vicks. And if you are interested in her artwork and seeing her artwork, make sure to check the description box for her link, her, um, her at, and for her website. So make sure you check that out. I also want to say that if you guys have any questions for us, whether it's about the labor movement, whether it's about unions, whether it's about the episode you just heard, or you know any episodes that you want to see in the feet in the future, make sure to reach out to me at daisha at afsme36.org. That's D-A-I-S-H-A at afsme36.org. You can email those questions to me, and we will answer them on the show. Thank you so much, and I will see you guys next time.